from Unabridged MD, um, and I'm here to provide hope driven by science. Um, so thank you so much for the response on uh, the previous videos that I have posted in the podcast. Um, it really makes me happy to know that uh, it does help people. Uh, and thank you for some of the questions that I've received since. Um, so one of them I want to address right away because um, it's an important one. And I think uh, I, I, I do, I do want to answer that question right away. So it's um, how do you do, how do you deal with fear? And, you know, because of my own story with stage four breast cancer and because of my interaction with patients, um, you know, we have to acknowledge the fear. And I think that that's the very, like, that's a very important part. You cannot just wish it away. It's just not going to go away. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there. And if you don't acknowledge it and don't look at it um, with clear, a clear mind and like really compassion uh, about that fear, it's going to haunt you. And it's going to wake you up, up at night and it's going to come in all of the things that you're going to do. So, you know, how do you deal with fear? First of all, you look at it. Um, and... And then you, you know, you have different mechanism uh, to take care of it in the sense of, you know, for example, um, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example, actually, but but basically you can acknowledge it and then look at what works for you. So I'll give you an example um, that I, I'll give you my own example. So my kids were very preemie. They were born at 25 weeks. Uh, so that's like a full trimester early. Uh, they were translucid. They had no eyes. It's like the, the, the skin of the eyelids were completely fused. And um, <laughs> of course, they needed a respirator. I mean, you know, not the ideal situation. Um, definitely not ideal. Very scary, one, 100 days early. And... I personally chose the path of not looking at any research in medicine. Uh, why? Because I thought, look, they are here. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to help as much as I can, um, but I'm going to be a parent and I'm not going to uh, pay too much attention to the numbers. Um, what did that mean? That meant you know, that for me, if I had looked at the numbers, the survival rate, the risk of mental retardation, the risk of any sort of disability, I would have sort of tattooed my brain with some sort of ideas that that was a possibility. And I made a clear, I made a clear decision in me when I delivered those baby that I was going to be grateful to have babies because I had had so much trouble getting them but that and and that I was going to be a mom and not a doctor at that moment. Uh, interestingly, their dad actually sort of went into his fears like, and, and to control his fears, went into a mode of um, intellectualization. And so he became an expert. And, you know, their dad is extremely smart, extremely knowledgeable doctor. And so he just knew all there was about every single scientific studies about preemie. And it was wonderful, right? So he would basically have those really highly 
um, intellectual conversations with the doctors while I was literally doing rhymes and singing songs that made no sense <laughs> to my kids. Um, why? Because for me, the fear was to look at any sort of outcome that was not good. Uh, and for him, knowledge was power. And so that's, that's like, you know, we all have different ways of dealing with fears, but it was important to realize, well, for me, I don't want to know the numbers because I know that if I see, I don't know, I'm going to give a, I, I actually have never looked. I did not want to look and the kids are doing amazing. They speak two languages. They, you know, um, my son and my daughter are above average when it comes to reading. It's crazy. Like it's so good. Um, and they are six years old, so they have a ton of time to do more. But it's it's kind of interesting to just think, you know, we had two different approaches. Um, and as a mom, I wanted this approach that was mom-related and not uh, uh, scientific. But th the point I want to say here is that the statistic would not have helped me. And it would have potentially scared me. Because every time you do a statistic, every time you look at statistics in the literature, of medicine, you're outdated. That is why I tell my patients, don't look at internet um, for outcome because you do not know what the patients that are described have gone through. You do not know what team they had. You do not know what their story is. And you do not know if, um, like, you know, how long it was. And so every year and every six months, honestly, sometimes in rheumatology and in, in oncology, there are more treatments that are coming around. And so someone from 10 years ago did not have access to all of the medications that we have access to. So for example, my HER2 positive cancer, if I had had that cancer 20 years ago, I would have been dead in three months or maybe six months if I was lucky. But with the medications that we had, uh, we have now, it's, it's a totally different ball game. And so I really explain this to all of you and to my patients and to everyone don't look at numbers because they are outdated to make a, to give you a survival curve rate you need 10 years you need five years right and so that means that it's five years from now it's outdated it's just outdated it's not going to tell you the, the whole picture it's going to give an idea for the doctors that's great but it's actually not giving the whole picture one because you don't know who it was like right and so uh, that number one. Number two is because there are new treatments every day. So that's number one. And then the, the second thing is realizing that numbers don't actually mean anything. What was the risk of me having a preemie? I mean, yeah, I had twins. Okay, so yeah, there's a risk. But a 25 weekers, that's not, that's not, like, it's very low, the risk. And the truth is that even if it's one person, if it happens to you, that one person doesn't really help you because you're like, well, it happened to me. But you can switch this and be like, well, even if it's a small numbers, it can also happen to me. Like if it's in small, out, good outcome numbers, that can also happen to me. Why not? Right. Um, so that's the first thing. I think just know yourself and know what reassures you. And if, you know, ignorance is bliss. I'm a, you know, I, in rheumatology, I want to know absolutely everything. In medicine in general, I want to know everything. But when it came to me, when it came to my own, you know, uh, my own struggles with the prematurity of the kids and, um, and my own uh, mortality risk with cancer, I decided to not look. Um, 
And that really helped me because then I could focus on just the good outcome. Focus on, you know what, I'm going to believe that there is some treatments nowadays that are working and I'm going to take it, you know, one step at a time. So that's the first thing. Second thing is to acknowledge it. And it's hard. It's really hard, right? Uh, because you don't want to spend too much time acknowledging it. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to acknowledge. And so it's sort of this nagging <laughs> nagging kid, right? Like, mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> um, and you've got to pay attention. Because the moment you pay attention is the moment you can actually resolve so, you know, let's, let's say, for example, for me, it was the fear of dying. Um, that fear, basically, I decided that I was going to look at it and I was like, okay, well, so let's imagine the worst. I die. What's happening? Well, I die. <laughs> um, I'm not here. That's, you know, that's not fun. But at the same time, who's going to suffer more than me? I- I'm not going to suffer if I'm dead, right? So that's number one. Um, and so just acknowledging, so what's the worst that can happen? I die. All right, so let's see. And um, for me, that helps, right? Because then it's kind of shutting off the, the mind going in that direction. It's basically saying, okay, well, I'm going to agree on the fact that we all die one day. And I'm going to try t- and I'm going to just tell my fear, well, here, is, here it is, I, I know there's a risk. And in fact, every day that when I wake up, there's a risk of me dying, right? Like, because you don't know what's going to happen in the street. I mean, you know, we didn't know COVID would happen. We didn't, you know, you never know what's going to happen in life. And so acknowledging the fact that there's a risk with living also makes you acknowledge the fact that you've got to live and you've got to live in that moment. And that was very powerful to me because that moment that I acknowledged the fact that, yes, I was really scared of dying. I also acknowledged it and I also said, well, be it, right? I'm not going to spend all my energy when I'm living to think of this because it's basically it's um, I'm going to only think of this instead of thinking of life and what I want and what do I want in this life. And, you know, I have this chance of having something that's allowing me to think very clearly about my life and I'm going to take it as a gift. I'm going to make very good connection with people and I'm going to live every day as a gift. And uh, and that shifts your perspective on things because it's not you're not trying to hold off to something thinking like, oh, I'm, someone is going to steal it from me or I'm going to lose it. You're basically be you know, you're looking at this flower knowing that yeah the flower is gonna go but right now it's a beautiful flower and I'm gonna enjoy every minute of it and it changes the way you approach things so that's like another thing uh that that helped me is to kind of to imagine the worst and just let it you know let it sit and be like you know I'm gonna die one day I just hope that it's the longest you know possible away from me but at the same time I'm not gonna spend my time thinking about this complications, right? A lot of my patients think of complications and it's the same thing. Why think of the complication when your time would be so much better spent at thinking of healing and thinking of you, how does the you in health looks like? 
And we're not doing wishful thinking. We're just saying, let's have an exercise in your mind that's like, how does healthy, how does happy and joyful looks like, right? And you're not saying, okay, well, if I didn't have this, you know, then I will, I would be happy. No, you're going to say, yeah, well, how does happy looks like? And there are things, right? Like in, in a condition, there are things that are helpful, right? So is it, uh, is it the fear? Like, is it because you're afraid or of certain complication? Or is it because you're having pain when it comes to arthritis? Is it because you're having fatigue? Uh, and so on. And just realize at that point, maybe at that moment that, well, maybe at that moment, I'm not dying. Maybe at that moment, I'm not in pain. Maybe at that moment, I'm still able to enjoy the music that I'm listening to. Uh, so it's it's really taking a breath and, you know, I'm doing it right now and putting putting fear next to you and just say, hey, you can sit next to me and we're going to look at this together. What do you need from me? And let's talk because right now I'm me. Fear is not me. And start from this. Start from this acknowledgement of fear is here. It's going to sit next to me and it's going to be okay. Um, I think it's extremely valuable to look at fears in a very objective way. So you can journal and you can, uh, I, I love journaling. I used to never like journaling. And then I decided to try and I was just like, wow, actually this is super helpful. It's like therapy, <laughs> you know, therapy, but like a million almost because you're looking like your, your thought process are written. Um, and so journaling really helped me. And I don't know, you could try it. It's basically taking a pen and just starting to write without any sort of expectations, right? So my handwriting is horrible and I don't try to make it good. <laughs> and I don't try to make it grammatical. They don't have to make sense. It's okay. It's just my thoughts, like literally my thoughts to my pen. And what's really interesting is that it unstuck me, right? It's like my thoughts. So for example, we'll take like a fear uh uh, fear that the medication would not work, right? So yeah, I'm afraid that medication will not work. And then I would go into like, what does that mean? You know, the reason I'm so scared about this is because of that, that things, if the medication doesn't work, what does it mean? I don't know. And what's interesting is that you kind of realize at one point that it decreases your stress uh, and that you actually find solutions. Um, and those solutions, they help you take care of the fear and tell your fear, we've got solutions for you, right? We've got plan A, B, C, D, E, right? And so it's okay. Stay there. It's okay. All right. Um, there are more techniques for sure. Uh, but I think acknowledging the fact that, that you have fear is very important and putting them down on paper and not spending all of your time on the fear. Uh, but rather think of what the fear is teaching you and think of it objectively and then fix what there is to fix. So if you're afraid that you're going to go before you finished a wheel or, you know, whatever, or maybe before you've done something that you really wanted to do, do that and then move on and then move on because the goal is to live a full life. The goal is not to live restricted by the fear. 
um, if, you know, if you have a condition, the goal is to see how we can take care of the condition and how that condition can help you. What is it bringing you? What is it teaching you? Because we can learn from every single situation there is, and we can learn from fear. There, there is no doubt about this. In fact, I want to almost, and I want to finish on this. Most likely, you will grow from that fear or from those fears because it's when we are uncomfortable that we grow. And we, you will look at this and you will be, wow, that really helped me go past something. So I hope this helped. Um, you know, I would love to hear what you guys are doing to help with those. Uh, this is just some example. We have many more. Um, we can definitely look at this uh, more in the future. Again, it's a pleasure. I'm Isabel Amig, um, rheumatologist and internist, and I'm creating this movement called Unabridged MD. So we have a full holistic view of how to care for patients. And it's a hope driven by science. Um, please subscribe, like, comment. So ask me questions personally or through those comments. And you can register to my waitlist uh, to get more information when I do the website and so on. It's an absolute pleasure with gratitude. Take good care. Bye-bye.